We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman, who is in the building at Levi Stadium on Sunday. Well, that's today. We're recording this Sunday night. And we're going to talk about the 49ers Cardinals game a little bit, but the 49ers also have a postseason opponent. We will talk about that. Super excited to get into postseason football because, folks, that's the real season. Anywho, we're sponsored by Cooperage. As always, get your Candlestick Chronicles. That is a beer named after our podcast, Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. You can get that now at cooperagebrewing.com. You can also get some at the brewery, which is just Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa. Head up there, hang out. Great vibes. Bring a dog if you have a dog. Don't steal. Don't like get steal a dog to take it. If you have a dog, bring it. It's a dog-friendly bar. That's what I'm trying to say. They have good food there, good food trucks. Really great place to hang out. But like I said, you can also get to cooperagebrewing.com. You can order a case. They'll ship it right to your front door. Not a better way to acquire beer. I say that every time, but I say it every time because I mean it every single time. All right, let's talk Niners. Let's talk playoffs. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. time on Niners Cardinals because David Blau was quarterbacking and it was pretty clear it was like hey JJ Watt get a couple sacks and then we're packing it in kind of thing but I want to ask you this off the top what was the worst of the two David Blau interceptions because he threw that first one and Tayshawn Gibson intercepts it and I was like that was the worst throw I've ever seen in my life (laughs) That we was, thought it was we thought it was tipped in the press box. It was not. It FYI, was not. <laughs> FYI, it was just like it looked like he ran Marquise Brown ran a route that he wasn't expecting and when he like got to the top he tried to like stop the throw and then couldn't. That's how the ball came out. So I was like that's the worst throw I've ever seen. Tayshawn Gibson's never going to have any easier interception than that. And then the second one happened. <laughs> and he threw it up. It looked like the throw from Jared Stidham last week, only Nick Bosa didn't push the left tackle into his lap. He just threw it like that. 
So I've never seen a sequence of interceptions, three interceptions over two weeks, all look exactly the same. And they all looked yes. exactly the same. Yes. And they and look, I'm not I'm not trying to shade to Sean Gibson because interceptions are interceptions, but like the degree of difficulty of those interceptions is extremely low. <laughs> yeah. You know? Zero like, of one to ten. Right. So like he's having Jenny- a nice season. He's obviously a starter on arguably the best defense in the league. I would argue he might be their Achilles heel at the back end to to a certain extent, but he's he's a good player, good story, a guy they signed at the very end of August, just before the season started, thrust into a starting role. Again, has a nice season. Five picks is nothing to sneeze at, absolutely. But those interceptions were all lollipops. Like he's he's playing three flies up out there. It's so rare that something happens in a professional sporting event that I'm like, I could do that. I definitely could have caught those. I could have caught the ball. I would have just hit the deck immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not trying to move. No, I'm not. I, I could have caught the ball. That's the only thing I could have done. I don't know if I could have been in position. No, like, I don't no, know what like his reads were. But like, right. if you're just lollipopping me that throw or those three throws yes. that he's caught the last two weeks, I could yes. do that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally with you. If you're like, yeah, line up over here and then move to that spot when you see the throw going there. That I'm not a hunt. I'm not super confident. No, I they're do. like, read the splits and be over here. I'm like, yeah, nope, no zero idea. chance. Yeah. Zero chance. I've got nothing. But if, like you said, if I'm stationary and you're like, I'm going to make this throw. Like, I got you, dog. Yeah. There's one thing I'm going to do. <laughs> it's hauling that in. <laughs> That's to yeah, us. That was just that was super big, athleticism. That was my big takeaway from today. The funny, just, okay. Abysmal. So interceptions holy hell yeah so obviously stuff happened in the game right but like the thing that i will remember most and we we're talking about this right before the game started was cliff kingsbury beating kyle shanahan to the punch on calling two timeouts before uh the end of the first half when the 49ers are scoring that uh that touchdown uh the door the george kittle four yard pass like they both wanted to call timeouts. Kyle Shanahan was racing down to call timeouts because he wanted to get his offense set and score a touchdown before the half. Cliff right. Kingsbury is racing to call timeouts because he's trying to give his quarterback time to get the ball back. He uses this two timeouts. He beats Kyle Shanahan to the punch. After the first timeout, Shanahan looks over to see if Cliff is going to call a timeout because if Cliff is not going to call a timeout, Shanahan's going to call a timeout. Cliff calls a timeout. <laughs> The Cardinals end up getting the ball back with 19 seconds and then Cliff calls a run and it goes for one yard and then the half ends. <laughs> so, what are we doing? Like why? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was just an obscenely funny thing that like, it was such like not a meaningless game. Obviously the 49ers had to win to, to clinch the two seed. Um, but like once, you know, Deandre Hopkins, Buda Baker, Kyler Murray, John Connors, like just all these guys not playing is like, all right, this this is going to be like a preseason game. And it was more or less a preseason game, particularly in the second half. I would be fascinated to see how that game goes if Diamador Lenore does not get mossed by AJ Green on the second play of the game. Yeah, that wasn't great. And that wasn't a great to, to Sean Gibson moment either. No, and he acknowledged that after the game. He was like, yeah. I should have made that tackle. He didn't. But yeah, I, I just like after they when they okay, so the Cardinals score to make it six nothing. And it was I never went to the space of like, oh my god, they're gonna lose. But it was very much like a 
oh my god, they're not going to be able to pull guys. Like <laughs> they're doing the thing where they're trying to sleepwalk through another game, and we're going to get to the fourth quarter, and it's going to be twenty-one ten Niners, and the Cardinals are going to have the ball at the fifty with eight minutes left. It's just going to be weird, but they didn't. They turned it on and they pummeled Arizona in the way that I think we thought they kind of would. Yeah, absolutely. And like to get Elijah Mitchell back, I know he only had five carries. Um, or I guess one was, I mean, technically a carry, but it was a passing play. Uh, and but you know, Christian McCaffrey having a nice game, Brandon Ayuk getting over a thousand yards, George Kittle scoring two more touchdowns. Like, uh, it, it was it was what you want to see. And I get, I think most importantly, they came out of it healthy. Like Demetrius Flanagan well, fouls has a neck injury and we'll see about that one, but they didn't lose anybody else. And all of their star players are healthy. And now they're going into Saturday's game against the Seahawks, which we haven't mentioned yet, but they're playing the Seahawks Saturday afternoon. FYI, they're going to have Debo Samuel back um, with, you know, a week of a week and a half of practice under his belt and a game under his belt. Same for Elijah Mitchell. Didn't practice last week, but returned this week. Um, so, like, the Niners are about as healthy, I think, as they could be, with the exception of guys, you know, like Emmanuel Mosley. Right. Um, and we'll see about Aaron Banks and and those guys. But I, I do think... Dre as, Greenlaw. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw. We'll see about that, too. Those are obviously two two starters. And I think Dre, Dre Greenlaw is, is considerably more important than Aaron Banks. Right. That's not to say Banks hasn't been a really good player for them this year because he has, but you can, you know, the 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 gulf between if it, Banks if the had a choice, they'd take Greenlaw over Banks if they could have one. Yeah, and Aziz Alshire seemed pretty banged up today. He left the game at yeah. one point in the first half and was, you know, it, it was very clear he. It looked like he was slow to get up after one play, and then he was picked on in coverage the next play and just couldn't really cover the guy, and then checked out of the game for Oren Burks. Um, and he came back in, I think, in the third quarter. But uh, yeah, you you I, the the Dre Green laundry is certainly going to be one to watch. But yeah, um, so I, I was talking to various various players on offense, and I like the question I had was like, when did you know that you guys could actually like win with Brock Purdy, right? Because it's like it's one thing to like you know say publicly like oh yeah we have 100% belief in this guy but I'm, I was really trying to be like you know y- y- there's no possible way anybody could s- anybody even even if they were around Brock Purdy all the time be like oh yeah like third string quarterback like uh, this camp. guy's this Training guy's gonna, yeah yeah this guy's gonna take <laughs> us to the promised land right <laughs> so one guy was like one guy was like after the the Tampa game for sure and we talked about like Shanahan's play calling and and th- this player basically confirmed like what my thought was is in that like you can really tell how much Kyle Shanahan trusts a guy by the play calling like at the end of at the end of the second quarter right when mm-hmm. Shanahan's dialing up like deep shots and aggressive right. plays with Brock Purdy that is a clear indication of trust and that th- this player told me that that really started in training camp. Like Brock earned that trust early on. So oh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just like, Oh, he's, he's playing well. I trust this guy. It was the, the it was a level of trust that's been there really since like training camp and maybe even the off season program. So like what Purdy did early on in the summer, we kind of just assumed Nate Sudfeld would be the starter, but like Purdy was doing things 
that earned a lot of trust from the coaching staff. And and another thing this guy told me was like Brian Greasy is really hard on Brock Purdy. Um, and Purdy, and I know Eric Branch wrote the story this week, but like Purdy really takes well to tough coaching. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a significant part of why Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy. Um, so another player told me, I asked the same question and he said it was, it was a Dolphins game. And I was a little dubious, but it was like when he, what, what this guy told me was when he was running around and making plays, that was like a differentiating thing because like they had seen him in practice and seen him in preseason games. Like this, this guy mentioned, like he made a lot of really good throws against the Texans in the preseason game. I was like, okay, but but the differentiating thing when they're like, oh, this guy might have some juice is when he's like running around using his mobility and like able to make plays like outside the structure of the offense. And so this guy was was very like, yeah, this guy, like he said, he was like, I knew I knew pretty early on Brock had some shit to him is what the quote was. <laughs> Um, some shit to him. <laughs> That's an offensive lineman quote. <laughs> I, I will or will not. I can't confirm nor deny, I guess. Um, but so it was uh, it, it was just interesting. And like one, one thing, and this was on the record because it was in a scrum with Christian McCaffrey. Like, I don't know if this was out there or not, but when Christian McCaffrey got traded to the 49ers, the guy who was helping him learn the offense the most was Brock Purdy. Oh, wow. Like, so Brock Purdy was like working with McCaffrey and like getting him up to speed on the calls in the playbook. And like, obviously, you know, McCaffrey said he had no idea who Brock Purdy was before, (laughs) before getting traded, but like, (laughs) but, but he was like, he was really impressed by, you know, it was like, oh, the seventh round rookie is like, like really knows the offense and is teaching me like all these calls and everything like that. Um, so when, so it wasn't entirely surprising to, to McCaffrey either. So, um, all that stuff I just thought was interesting, right? Because it's like, it's the, the level of trust. Like the thing is, is there can be quarterbacks that are uplifted by the system, right? Like mm. there are guys who are just, all right, he can operate the system and, and Brock Purdy can absolutely do that. But I think what causes the optimism or the, the root of the optimism around Brock Purdy is that it's not just, oh, he can run the offense. It's, oh, he can run the offense and he can avoid making mistakes, right? Or, oh, he can run the offense, but he can also make plays outside of structure. And it's obviously, like, he's not, you know, he's not prime Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. But, like, he's just a quarterback who is far more capable than I think a lot of people expected. And he just keeps taking these incremental steps to prove it, right? And so that's... That's why, I mean, the results are obviously there. The results speak for themselves. And the fact that, um, I don't know what his total like touchdown interception numbers are after the game, but like 13 to four, that's, that's impressive, man. That's as a starter. It was 11 to two. Yeah. That's really impressive. So like that speaks for itself, obviously, but there's, there's a belief and look, and to be fair, like I wouldn't expect to hear anything else in the locker room. Like no one's gonna like tell me like, oh, this is okay, bullshit. He's trash. You know? Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's low key trash. Let, where Kyle's just let, propping him up. Like that's I, I wouldn't expect anybody to tell me that. But like these are guys I know and have talked to for a long time. So like to hear them sort of explain the way Brock Purdy earned their trust and like the the 
the way the well, the way they started to believe in him, I thought was just interesting and something I wanted to relay. Yeah, no, that's fascinating because it it that's obviously a look that not everybody gets, but I think that one of the things that confirms something when the Niners were talking about Trey Lance before the year, it was a lot of, we're going to help Trey however we can. We're going to do everything we can to help him out. We believe in Trey. He can lean on us. Da, 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 da. With Brock, the conversation publicly was, we've got a quarterback. Like we trust Brock. Da, 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 da. Like the, they did the it sounded different. It wasn't that like we're gonna do everything we can to help him out. He just needs to leave. There was a little bit of it, but you could just tell outwardly, and that really corroborates that. Um, I think that's that's super interesting and and super important too. And it's part of why this isn't a matter of this isn't a matter of like there's there's definitely an element of Kyle Shanahan's offense and simplifying it for the quarterback and there's a lot of just point and shoot and just hit this guy and that's you know that's part of playing quarterback is running the offense but the fact that the team just full-blown is like yeah this is the guy like we've got him like that stuff matters too and that's why you're not going to pick up Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard and drop him in and it's just going to be the same exactly there's 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 level there's levels to it and i don't mean that like sarcastic like there is brock purdy as a starter i've got the numbers here he's five and oh he completed 68 and a half percent of his throws that's a top end that's top five completion rate 8.9 yards per attempt tied for first in the league his 8.9 percent touchdown rate is far and away the best in the league over the course of a full year and then his 1.6 percent interception rate would have been the eighth lowest in the league like that's he's a numbers wise a top ten quarterback, which is nuts. Small sample, but yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, you're right. In that in that small sample, he has been a top ten quarterback. Yeah, that Not doesn't mean he, like J- Jimmy was when Jimmy got here in 2017. He looked like a top five quarterback. Like statistically, right. you can go back and look. Like Jimmy was statistically a top five quarterback over those five starts in 2017. Here's here's a. A lot of people are trying to, and I, I host post game at 95.7, and the conversation always tries to drag back to Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, what do you do next year? And it's like, dude, they might win the Super Bowl next year, and then Brock Purdy might fall off a cliff. Not, like, figuratively. Like, he might just peak and hit his ceiling, and then he's Nick Mullins moving forward. The answer... If they the an- the title... Who cares? The The answer to the question, what do they do next year, is hope to God they get to the playoffs, which is where they are right now. <laughs> so, like, yeah. <laughs> the whole point of everything is to get to the playoffs, and that's where they are. So, like, I like look, we have a podcast. We've had the conversation. Like, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, shouts to us. <laughs> it's fascinating <laughs> to think about what next year is going to look like. But, yeah, there's, like, this is this is the whole thing to get to the playoffs and like, see if they can win a championship. Like mm-hmm. let's deal with August when, when it's August. Right. Mm-hmm. Regardless, like Niners are in a good spot. They're going to the playoffs and getting very competent quarterback play from a guy who is their third stringer. 
So like, if you feel passionately about who should be the starting quarterback, like congrats to you, but you're also just kind of wasting your energy and misses and missing the forest for the trees right now. Cause it's like, yes. Like, yes. Look, I'm as optimistic about Trey Lance as anybody, but to be like Trey Lance has to start next year, blah, blah, blah like, or Jim, they got to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. Cause he was playing really well or what Nick Mullins is or it's like, man, who cares? They have the Seriously. Seahawks on Saturday and they had they win three games. They get to go to the Super Bowl, and who knows what can happen in the Super Bowl? Because we all we see a lot of underdogs win the Super Bowl. I've just punted on the idea of being like, okay, th- this axiom is just true. Like this is what we know, and like I've punted on the whole like rookie QB isn't going to win a Super Bowl thing. Because if you told me that Mr. Irrelevant was going to go five and zero as the Niners starter, and help them to a 10 game winning streak to end the year and he was going to play as well as he is i would have been like no chance that doesn't happen like i've just i've gotten rid of that like the notion that anything is impossible nick Foles, who's a career backup and not and not somebody at this point anybody would build around beat tom brady and threw for a million yards in the super bowl right joe flacco won a super bowl trent dilfer won a super bowl Rex Grossman weird, got weird to happens. Rex Grossman happens. got to a Super Bowl. So like we we do want to do the precedent thing because it's always like that's what we know, right? Like that's what we build our ba- build our basis of knowledge on is like precedent. Like oh, a superstar quarterback always wins a Super Bowl is sort of like what we think. But I I think if again like if there's something we've learned about the league this year, it's that it's sort of veering away from the idea that you have to have a superstar quarterback to contend. Mm -hmm. And look, that might just be a regular season thought, right? Like that might just be something like, Oh, it's a regular season. Like you build up your defense, you have a good roster, like you can contend. And maybe, maybe the the quarterback play will really be the differentiating factor in the playoffs. And, Mm -hmm. And that'll be separate from the regular season. And we see stuff like that in the NBA all the time. Right. The NBA, mm-hmm. the we you have to divorce the regular season from the postseason when it comes to the NBA. And maybe that's what happens again in the NFL. But in terms of like what the trend of this season is going into the playoffs, particularly in, in the NFC, it's the fact that you can contend without having an elite quarterback. Like Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate, fine. But like he's not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Tom Brady in his prime, or Peyton Manning in his prime, or Aaron Rodgers in his prime. He's just not. He's a good quarterback. He's running their offense. Fine. Minnesota's the Minnesota's a three-seed Kirk Cousins. 49ers a two-seed Brock Purdy. Right? Like, Geno Smith is a playoff quarterback. Daniel Jones, playoff quarterback. Dak Prescott, I didn't, I didn't watch that game today, but I saw the numbers. Man, ugly, ugly performance. Um, Tom Brady is not playing at nearly the level he used to. And he's like, you can go through the playoffs and and even to a certain extent, they're far more like, man, maybe everybody in the AFC, but Miami feels like they have like a solidified option at quarterback. Mm -hmm. But the NFC, it's like, you, you don't need, you, you probably don't need to have the best quarterback to get to the Super Bowl. I don't think Dak Prescott completed 14 of 37 throws. And had a pick six. Oh my god! Against the Durs. Like I get that they weren't really playing for a lot, but holy smokes, man! <laughs> Not exactly ending the season on a high note. Oof. But again, maybe like in the AFC, it's just it's just 
a contest between Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Pat Mahomes. And it's just who's yeah. ever the best, that's the team that right. advances. But right. in the in the NFC, it's like it's not exactly a who's who of like superstar quarterbacks. Right. Jalen Hurts may or may not be really good. He had a really good year. Yeah. But he may or may not be really good. And then yeah, 47 year old Tom Brady. Is that the guy? Hey, yeah. the Bucks are definitely beating Dallas, right? It would not surprise me at all. Okay, let's, I heard a, I heard wanna, a stat. I want to talk first round real quick, but I want to I want to grab this playoff thing real quick that you're talking about with quarterbacks. Yeah, this is the whole like when there was pushback against trading up for Trey Lance and taking a project quarterback. The 49ers were hoping to get one of those. I think Kyle Shannon says there's five guys in the league. One of those five guys that it just doesn't matter what your team is like. The Chiefs defense is abysmal, but it's like, eh, they got Patrick Mahomes, so who cares? Like, just having Patrick Mahomes changes the way other teams play. And it helps the Chiefs defense just by having Patrick Mahomes on the other side because other offenses are going to change how they do things to try and counteract Patrick Mahomes. And I think the same thing goes a little bit for Josh Allen. You might start to see that same thing go for Joe Burrow if they make another run this year. Like, there's there's just certain guys in the league. Tom Brady, that was the case for a long time. Aaron Rodgers a little bit. But if you don't have one of those guys, then you need to build just an awesome roster and get a quarterback that you, quote-unquote, as Kyle Shanahan says, can win with. And so that's what we're seeing with the Niners. Oh, they just found a guy right now that they can win with. And that's why the conversation with, like, Trey Lance is separate. Because you definitely can win like this. But to your point, what does it look like in a one-and-done playoff game? when a team spends all week focused on you and you only. Right. Like that's what's, that's what's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah. Niners. Yeah. I mean, I look, Niners had the best conference record. They were 10 and two, the best record mm-hmm. in the NFC of any NFC team. Um, their 175 overall point differential, or sorry, 173 overall point differential was best in the NFL. Um, so I totally think, I I think there's, again, like we talked a little bit about it last week. There's, there's something to the idea. Like it's not completely invalid to be like the Niners weren't super tested or they didn't like beat a juggernaut team, but they also didn't really have any opportunities to outside of hosting Kansas city in October when Kansas city blew their doors off. So, you know, so here's, I, 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 the 49ers have a lot of equity to me. Yeah. Like the D I think the defense is great. I think Nick Bosa is going to win defensive player of the year. Obviously going on deep playoff runs into the last three seasons means a lot, but it is going to be interesting. It's like, all right, if, and when, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and we'll talk a lot about Seattle this week, obviously, but like if, and when they have to go on the road to Philadelphia or if, I mean, as the playoffs go, it's going to get, it's going to get, much more difficult over these next three weeks if they keep advancing mm-hmm. and at any point during the regular season. I think that's something that we can we can say objectively, right? Like yeah. Can it's I gonna be much more difficult in the playoffs than it has been for them in the regular season. Let's white let's starting at October twenty third. That was when the Niners lost to the Chiefs. And the thing with the Niners is they like you said they haven't been tested since then. 
with like my, a great team playing at like a high no, level. No, I, I, I agree with you. I have a couple things on this. One, there's not that many teams that qualify as like a good test. There's like four teams in the league where you're like, oh man, that was a good win. It's like Bills, Chiefs, I think, I guess the Bengals are all in the AFC. Yeah. And does does Philly count? Yeah, Philly counts. The Niners probably count. Yeah. Do the Cowboys count? So like Yeah, okay, they, so- they 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 whooped up on those 13 and 4 Vikings, man. So that's my that's my <laughs> that's my that's my thing. It's like there's a handful of teams where you're like, wow, that's a big test. Other than that, you're playing a schedule full of like non-tests. So let's start at October 23rd. Niners get blown out by the Chiefs. They haven't lost since. Here's what the Eagles have done since then. They beat the Steelers. Beat the brakes off the Steelers, but beat the Steelers. Not a playoff team. Then they beat the Texans. Then uh, they, three, then they lost, lost to the Commanders at home. Got beat by two scores by the Commanders at home. Then they beat Indy by a point in Indy. Four <laughs> twelve and one. They beat the Packers by seven. The Packers hung up thirty three. They hung up forty. They beat the Titans, not a playoff team. Um, they beat the New York Football Giants, beat the crap out of the New York Football Giants, 48-22. Then they beat the Chicago Bears by five in Chicago. And that was when Hurts went down because then they lost to the Cowboys in Dallas and they lost to the Saints at home. Yeah. Have the Eagles been tested? Yeah, you'd say the the win over the Giants over that span is probably like their most important one. But like Again, too. The, but the, if the Niners had beat the Giants forty-eight to twenty-two, nobody's being like, "Wow, they got tested in that game." Like, oh, that's my sure. that's my that's my point with that critique is like you could run that critique on basically any team. Right, right. So, I think that's fair. That's 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 like I get it, and I'll, I'll rock with it. And if they go get blown out in the first round because it's like, man, they just haven't played a tough game in a while, then so be it. But I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I only bring it up to make the point that like it's going to be decidedly more difficult in the playoffs than it was during the regular season. I don't think it's yes. an indictment like, oh, they're not for real because they haven't beaten anybody. I'm just making the point that like, no, the, the level of difficulty is about to increase. And that's one thing that I think is going to be interesting. Right. Playoff games are different. Yeah. No doubt. At least that's what I'm sorry. I've never played in one. But <laughs> <laughs> any anybody, Marcellus Wiley, former NFLer, was on the show I produce. And he talked about that. Like the playoffs are just a different breed because everybody's level of intensity goes up that much more because there's no next week. Like there's, you're not going, Hey, you know what? Hey, we didn't, we didn't get out to a great start. We're down 17, nothing. All right, let's, we got next week. We're good. It's like, dude, you get down seven, nothing. And it's like, uh Oh, right. Like the, your season's on the line now. Right. And that's, that's, with Brock Purdy specifically is like, how does he respond to that? Because we don't know. And so I'm totally so interested to see. Absolutely. Um, Niner Seahawks. Yeah. Look, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm scheduling a time for Danny Kelly to come on as we speak. Did he already respond or are you, are you jumping oh, yeah, the no. gun? Okay. No, he's responded. Okay, good. I like that. If, uh, if you had not heard back from him and you said that on the podcast, be like, eh, maybe this is something we don't need to put on the pod. 
but uh, I hope he texts me back. <laughs> but man, the the Niners are ten point favorites. That's a lot of points. Like they they That's... deserve to be ten point favorites, but that is a lot of points. I saw somebody say that at one book it opened at six and a half, immediately went to seven and a half, then eight, eight and a half, and then they took it off the board. Wow. That was all in the span of the game ending, the Packers Lions game ending, and 10 minutes after. The Niners are a very public team. Yes. And they also have a very affluent fan base. Hmm. And I think that that generally leads to. Well, but this, but this early, but like these early lines are all sharp guys. Sure. Yeah. There's no random dude in Napa. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying that like I think the line is wrong. I'm just saying, man, that's a lot of points for a division rival in a playoff game. Oh, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. What's interesting is so if you're not familiar, they set the betting lines. So there's the point spread, right? Which is which is the 49ers are giving the Seahawks ten points. So by the book, the Seahawks have ten points to start the game. That's how the point spread works. Book set lines to get equal amounts of bets on both sides. And so when you see a bet or when you see a line like immediately change one way or the other, it means a lot of money is coming in on one of those sides that the book is now adjusting it. Right. The Niners are not getting better in real time. <laughs> right. Right. The book's not like six and a half, mm, seven. Ah, you yeah. know what? Let's try eight. <laughs> no, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just people just like throwing tens of thousands of dollars on these numbers. Because they want the Niners at six and they want the Niners at seven. Right. I'm we'll get into it as we kind of go, but it's going to be such an interesting interesting game. Because the 49ers are the far better team. If the oh, Seattle yeah. Seahawks were the New Orleans Saints, I don't think there would be any like consternation it would be like the Niners are winning that game and it feels that way a little bit anyway but because it's the Seahawks because it's Pete Carroll because it's the third time they played him this year and the Seahawks playing weird games man yeah they only play in weird games and I think that's sort of that will be like my level of trepidation for the 49ers will be about just like could this just get really weird right could there be some weird injury some weird, like, fluky tipped pass that turns into a pick six, um, like a special teams touchdown, a block punt that the 49ers they- give up. Like, that that to me feels like what it would take for Seattle to win. And we've seen Seattle beat the 49ers a lot over the years just with a bunch of weird shit happening. So that to me, like, the Niners are decidedly better, and particularly since getting Christian McCaffrey. But again, like... Anybody can beat anybody in the playoffs and it could just get weird. And my opinion like that, that stems from just the history of the rivalry and just seeing how weird things can get in these games. Yes. Yeah. Either that or they figure out a way to get DK Metcalf on Diamond or Lenore and just target him 27 times. I would imagine D'Amico Ryans is going to get back to shadowing hey, Metcalf with. Do you think they stopped doing that because they were saving it for the playoffs? I don't know. That's a great question. I maybe we should ask Miko this week. Yeah, we'll get Miko on the pod. 
Miko. Hey, Miko, this this strategy you were doing, explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miko. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that. Yeah, I would I would imagine Mooney Ward's going to going to shadow DK. Um, I like that matchup a lot more than than Lenore in particular. But it's not like Lenore is going to have an e- easy matchup on Tyler Lockett either, who's just perennially a Niners killer. And you know the Niners defense that that didn't seem like the safeties got beat by you know with with bad eyes like Talano Ufunga has in recent weeks. But that's going to be a question mark. Like until the Niners win the Super Bowl, as well as they play, like the back end of the defense plays, I'm not going to be like. That's not a question mark until they actually like do it in the Super Bowl. Because like, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if the Niners are playing in the Super Bowl and it's Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, I would be very leery of the back end of the 49ers defense because of one, Tayshawn Gibson's lack of just speed, right? He's not, he's not a fast safety for a free safety in particular. Like he's a good player and he's having a really nice season. He's just not a fast guy with a ton of range. And Talano Ufunga is, is just always like you love the plays that he makes and he does make some plays, but there are a lot of times where he's taking a lot of risks and they lead to big plays going the other way. So one of my coworkers brought this up today because I was saying like early in the game, it was like, man, they just look like they checked out before the Raider game. Like they, they're looking ahead to the playoff and he said he brought up the idea. He was like, well, they clinched in week 15. And ever since week 15, they've taken like a little bit of a step back. Yeah. And I kind of think there's something to that. Oh, totally. Like it's, I know that, that, you know, you're playing for seeding and stuff, but once you've clinched and you know, you're not falling below the three seed. It wasn't like they clinched a playoff spot. And now they got to fight for the division. Like they clinched their division. They weren't falling below the three. I imagine that there was a lot of just, I don't want to say they weren't trying because they were obviously trying, but like little attention to detail on things that just kind of go by the wayside where it's like, I'm going to bite. I'm going to try and make this play because why not? You know, does that? Yeah. Like, look, when it's the playoffs and when it's a really big game, you're like losing sleep during the week about your matchup and like, am I going to be assignment sound? And like, what's my reaction going to be when they have this look and all that stuff. When you've won your division and you're like, yeah, all we kind of got to do is wait for the Vikings to lose. And if we just handle business against these bad teams and we'll get the two seed, we'll be where we need to be. It's just not, you're not going to have the same, like, look, we've all been in school, right? When you have a final in a few days, you're going to study and just be a whole lot more locked in than you would be if your final's in a month. Right. Just mentally, just like how how like checked in or locked in you are mentally in preparation for that. And, and that's, it's a long football season, man. 17 NFL games is a slog. And your last three, all in all, didn't matter that much. Like you've, yeah, you've been playing football basically like you've been in football mode every day going back to August. Like with the exception of your Mm -hmm. bye week. And there's a a decent chance that like even during your bye week, you weren't like fully on vacation. You're like still like, you know, eating well, trying to get good sleep, like all that stuff. right? Right. So like there's 
there there's absolutely a human nature element i think to you know them not could could they have shut out the cardinals today sure you know absolutely but like did they need to no <laughs> but they limited them to 13 points um and the raiders game i think raiders played really well credit to them but also like if that's a playoff game I think the Niners defense plays at an entirely different level than it did in that one, because like, you know, you and I had zero expectation for the Raiders, like going in, like I had talked about like, Oh, the Patriots can, they couldn't get rid of Jared Siddham fast enough. They, every quarterback move they made over the last couple of years was to make sure they weren't playing Jared Siddham. Or at least that, that was like the, my interpretation of it. Like Jared Siddham couldn't beat out Cam Newton or Brian Hoyer, or Mac Jones, you know? So it was like, I don't have a high opinion of them because the Pats don't have a high opinion of them. So, but again, that's like human nature and that's what can happen. And Nick Bosa even said it after the game, like Nick Bosa, Kyle Shanahan didn't say it because he would never admit that publicly. But like Nick Bosa said, I think we underestimated Jared Sidham. Mm-hmm. There's not going like, to be any underestimate. Yeah, there's not going to be any underestimating guys in the playoffs. You'd hope not. That'd be uh, wild. That would be wild. I, I mean, yeah, look, yeah, we didn't put our best foot forward today. <laughs> we thought we could sneak by Chino Smith. I, I just think they're they've played in too many of these games at this point as a group that they know what that intensity is going to feel like. And look, like the, there's there's an element of like home field advantage. Like if it were the Lions, like would Levi Stadium be absolutely on fire? Like, yeah, it would be a playoff game and it would be a good atmosphere. But it's like, no one really cares about the Lions. Like, no Niners fans are like, God, I can't stand the Lions, you know? But if it's the Seahawks, I think that adds a little bit to it. Like, I feel like there's going to be an atmosphere of like, oh, everybody talks about CenturyLink or Lumen Field or whatever that place is called in Seattle. Best fans, 12s, so, such a loud atmosphere. Like, there's going to be an element of like, no, this is payback. Like, you know, there some fans are going to think about the 2013 playoffs. There's just there is still a level of intensity when it comes to 49ers fans and the visceral reaction they just get from the Seahawks. Yes. So I think that's that that's going to be a tangible thing. Do you think 49ers fans were rooting more for because we talked about this a lot on the radio, like who do you want to play in the first round? And it was very split. And I wonder what the percentage of people was that were rooting for the Lions tonight because people wanted to face the Seahawks instead of the Packers. And how many people were rooting for the Lions just to laugh at Aaron Rodgers? Because that's one of my favorite traditions. (laughs) So I I thought, and I had said on the pod that like of the teams remaining, I wouldn't want to play Aaron Rodgers. And And it was just down to like, if Aaron Rodgers gets hot, he could just beat anybody. Like, sort of irrespective of what the roster looks like. If you were drawing a path to an upset, Aaron Rodgers makes the most sense. Yeah. But I would never... I I wouldn't pick the Packers to beat the Niners. Right? Like, any of those three teams, Seahawks, Lions, Packers, I would not think any of them would beat the Niners. Just, like, going into it. But I would would have ranked it, like, in terms of least I wanted to play, it would probably be Aaron Rodgers first, or Packers first. Seahawks second, Lions third. Just because, like, I think the Niners' defense 
just sees Jared Goff on the other side of the field and is like, yeah, come on, dude, let's go. Let's let's roll. Like we have zero issue playing Jared Goff. Right. After after just like humiliating him time and time again with the Rams. Yeah. Um the Seahawks, I think there's a little bit of element of like unknown with Geno Smith. Those receivers are still really good. Like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are really good. The running back, the rookie running backs, good. You know, I I don't think the Niners are overly concerned with the offensive line, but like, but you know, uh, the young cornerback Woolen, is good. Did I say his last name right? Tariq Woolen, yeah. Tariq Woolen, yeah. Um, Did you see that video of him and Richard Sherman tapping each other up before the Thursday night game? No, was it? Tariq Woolen is huge. Yeah, Sherm's not not He's like a small visibly, guy. Visibly like visibly bigger than Richard Sherman. Yeah, Sherm's a Sherm's a good six three, six four. Yeah. Tariq Tariq Wallen is massive. Yeah. And he ran like a four two. Yeah. He's he's wild. Yeah. I'll I gotta pull up his spider graph at some point. Um but yeah, I, I I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> but I again like ranking the three possible opponents to me just kind of seems like a futile exercise. Cause like you, the Whoa. Niners, the, the Niners like the matchup, regardless of who it is, you are stunned by this spider graph. Let me look it up. Dude. So. It's just a, it's a, it's a, what is this? An octagon. It's just all filled in. It's just all purple. Holy smokes. Oh, UTSA. He's a, Oh my God, dude. This is like Taylor Mays. Taylor Mays asked only Tariq one's good at football. <laughs> this is, but Taylor Mays is like the all time, like spider graph guy, but that oh, this guy might beat him. Holy cow. Height 99th percentile weight, 90th wingspan, 92nd arm length, 97 hand size, 48 tiny hands, 10 yard split, 92, 40 yard dash, 99 vertical jump, 97. Those are the percentiles he's in. Six four two oh five. He ran a four two six and jumped forty two <laughs> inches. He's a freak he show, and he can play, and he's good. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. I I did not know that. That's good for him. Good for the Seahawks. Good draft pick. But um, yeah. So Wild. like, I would say, I would want to play the Seahawks less than the Packers. Or sorry, more than the Packers, but less than the Lions. But I'd, I'd pick the Niners against any three team, any three of those teams, any of those three teams. I'm good at speaking. Um, eight days a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. I was, I think the Seahawks. With yeah, just weird stuff happens, man. Yeah. I think objectively, it's probably like the best matchup for the Niners. The Seahawks scored 13 points on the Niners this year in two games, offensively. Yeah. But with Pete Carroll, it's like there's going to be a fake punt or something weird. And like, I don't, I don't know. But then again, like I said, they've not been able to move the ball against the Niners. So, and the Niners special teams has been better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We can talk about it later in the week. Yeah. Fascinating. I'm really excited for this week. I'm glad it was the Seahawks because it's something at least a little bit different. I didn't want to talk about the Packers again. Yeah. So over the Niners Packers playoff thing. And what the Lions did 
being eliminated and playing hard is what like that was great like i you know i'm i don't know if i'm a big dan campbell guy like a a lot of the football guy bluster kind of misses me but Mm -hmm. like the just going out and playing hard like that just to do it i think is amazing and i kind of think the giants missed an opportunity to do something similar in philadelphia today and like i get you want your guys to be healthy but just like Having a week where you're just like, yeah, we're just going to be non-competitive against a division opponent. Like, hey, I'll say, I'll say this though: when you talk about who's playing the best football right now, the 49ers about the third quarter started pulling guys. Jalen Hurts played every snap. Yeah, the Eagles never had a chance to pull their dudes against Davis Webb and a Giants team that was not trying. Like that's that's not great. And Jalen Hurts did not play well either. Yeah, no, and it, and he's missed time, and maybe it was a function of like, well, he needs reps, and we're not gonna we're not gonna play Jalen and some scrubs. Like if Jalen's in there, we're gonna keep the starters in there. So I, I I sort of get that, but yeah, like just in general on the Eagles, like the Eagles don't have a ton of equity. With me, just given the way they looked in the playoffs last year, just getting thumped by Tampa in the way they did, mm-hmm. right? Like. Yeah, you had a they, they had a really good regular season, and maybe they end up continuing that in the in the playoffs, and they get to the NFC Championship game. But that's like a considerable step. Like that's something you I, I want to see before just assuming it's going to happen. Yeah, because not it, it doesn't always work that way. And like, you know, like what would it be? Would it be terribly surprising if? If, I mean, would you be shocked if Tampa Bay beats beats the Giants, the Niners beat the Seahawks, and then Tampa Bay would need to beat the Cowboys? Sorry, the Cowboys. That's what I meant. I'd, like, and then, and then beat Philly. Would it shock you if Tampa Bay beat Philly in the second round? I'd be mildly surprised if Tampa Bay won a playoff game, much less two. Oh, I think they're going to beat Dallas. Tampa Bay is not very good. Yeah, I I just don't trust Dallas. Jason Garrett, I don't want to get off on a tangent about um, the NBC halftime show or like the analysis because it's generally pretty plain. But <laughs> Jason Garrett, I think, provided the best stat I've heard all season that the Cowboys are one and four on the road on natural grass this season. What? Yeah. Just anti grass. <laughs> Among us. Typical Texans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was weird. I thought that was weird. And also just I don't trust Mike McCarthy in the playoffs at all. Sure. And no, there was no. we watched we watched firsthand. We watched them run a quarterback draw with 13 seconds left and no timeouts with the game on the line. Yeah. We watched that happen. And then watched his team not know how to set the football. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I just don't trust Mike McCarthy in a big game. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, and the Cowboys defense hasn't been playing as well in the second half or down the stretch. I'm just saying, like, if you're a Cowboys fan, I think you would ask a lot of them, and they wouldn't feel great going into play Tom Brady in Tampa. Yeah, no doubt. So, I don't know. That stuff happens. But point being, like, 
if Philadelphia lost a playoff game before even getting to the NFC championship game, like I wouldn't be stunned. That wouldn't be like super surprising to me because we did see him lose to Washington in their home field. Yeah. Albeit they had yeah, nothing that, to play for. And we're talking about the Niners, like not really having to put anything to play for against the Raiders and sort of excusing their performance defensively. So I guess maybe you could apply the same things to, to Philadelphia there. I'm just saying a main Philly source didn't even clinch the division until today. Right, right, right. But I'm just saying, like, a reason why the 49ers have equity in my mind is because they went to the Super Bowl two years ago with a lot of the same guys and because they won two road playoff games last year and went to the NFC Championship game. Like, the Eagles just haven't done that. And the last time we saw them in the playoffs, it was pretty ugly for them. Right. That's all. Yeah, no doubt. I would still be pretty surprised. I think Philly is good. Oh, I think they're good, yeah. For sure. I just, and I, I don't I don't think highly of either the the I mean, any team that they would conceivably play right I, I just i don't think that any of the teams they'll face in the first round are going to beat them well but they're maybe, not going to play in the first round so that's good for them their first round game right the first game that they play <laughs> i got you all right anything else we'll talk about the seahawks nothing. a lot this week i'm gonna i'll rewatch the uh the other seahawks games oh i was gonna i was gonna bring this up earlier and then we start talking about something else just to get this, let's go first full circle and bring this back to Niners Cardinals. I think that the way the Niners played today in terms of like touches and workload and then pulling guys, I thought it couldn't have gone a lot better. Like 13 touches for Christian McCaffrey, a couple for George Kittle, a few for Elijah Mitchell, get his feet wet, a couple for Debo Samuel, get his feet mm-hmm. wet. I just thought it was a Really, really well executed. And I'm really excited to see, and we'll discuss what we think is going to look like, but I'm excited to see what a fully staffed 49ers offense looks like come playoff time. Yeah, particularly with this group of guys. Yes, yes. Um, I think it's going to look a little different, and I think it's going to be great. I was like <laughs> talking with Nick throughout the game, like they give Debo Samuel a carry between the tackles. I'm going to fire off a tweet about it. <laughs> like like you know and they didn't like they used him in the backfield a little bit and he got you know some some of his gimmicky plays and uh but it was all it it wasn't like kyle shanahan had enough self-awareness to know like we are not going to run debo samuel up the middle and risk him getting tackled by four 300 pound guys so shouts to kyle shanahan for that because i was a little dubious evolution (laughs) and growth Uh, the Seahawks, the only team to face all three 49ers quarterbacks this season. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Is it that interesting? I think it's definitely fair to throw out week two. Yeah. As yeah. like week a. Two, I'm not even going to watch week two. Well, I'm going to watch it because I do my homework. But um... <laughs> I'm going to be grinding 2018 games. But that's, you know. <laughs> I'm actually going to be grinding 2019 Rams tape to get to get uh, to get some thoughts on Shane Waldron. Oh, fascinating. Okay, cool. You're welcome. Yeah, let me let me know what the chart the charts look like and like you know. Not now, mom. I'm charting Geno Smith's throws from 2014. <laughs> West Virginia is playing Oklahoma, mom. <laughs> All right, let's Don't get. Did you out hear here. the Mountaineers fight song? <laughs> Leave me alone. He's a Heisman candidate, mom. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are I don't brought live to... with my mom. <laughs> I 
I need that to be really clear. <laughs> Thanks for the disclaimer. <laughs> um, we are brought to you by Cooperage Brewing. Uh, yeah, com in Santa Rosa. Go check them out. Great beer, great merch, great vibes. Cooperagebrewing.com. What did I say? Cooperage Brewing? Yeah, no, Cooperage Brewing. Okay. I was just reiterating. Read, okay, good. Not correcting. Thank you. Um, and we will talk to you guys later in the week. Hopefully, we'll have a guest. Hopefully, Kyle did not. I've got two guests lined up. Wow. Okay, don't say it. Don't say them. Tell me off air. But um, you have a lot to look forward to in terms of this podcast and content coming for playoff time. So this is the best time of the year, in my opinion. Like playoff, NFL playoffs, I think, best in sports. I kind of think they're the best in sports. But the urgency is the best. It's like game seven. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Okay, we'll talk to you guys later in the week. Subscribe, rate, and review. Do all Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.